the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday, June 2nd edition of Lifeline. I'm Craig Roberts. Today's program, we tackle with some very real issues that I believe we as Americans and certainly as Christians must not avoid addressing. The death of George Floyd at the hands of police should never have happened. Let me emphatically state that. It should never have happened. It is one in a centuries-long string of violent, senseless, unnecessary deaths steeped in racial undertones. It was murder and a painful moment in American history. The looting, terrorism, and burning of American cities by so-called protesters is criminal and represents the worst of who we are as a nation. The Minneapolis police officers, all four of them, involved in Floyd's death, must be held accountable. Criminals involved in wrecking American cities, robbing and burning businesses, must also be held accountable. The thing that strikes me is that we all see this police violence and racism, and we've seen it all before, but nothing changes. That's why these protests have become so explosive. But without leadership and an understanding of what the problem is, there will never be change. And white Americans have avoided reckoning with this problem forever because it's been our privilege to be able to avoid it. That also must change. Americans have the right to free speech. Free speech does not mean destroying property, injuring others, and criminal activities. I often hear the media lump everyone into one term, protesters. But make no mistake about it. Peaceful protesters are within their constitutional rights to protest and be heard. And those rights must be protected. Rioters and looters, however, are criminals operating outside the law and they must be arrested, tried, and convicted to the full extent of the law. The question many Americans are asking today is, who is behind these criminal, terroristic riots that have happened across America? Are there really this many evil, bad people in America? Well, obviously, there must be, because the acts of violence displayed on national television are not coming from peaceful protesters. We have seen and heard about many peaceful protesters thousands of people who have made their protests in a peaceful, honorable way. No one blames anyone for being upset and angry about what happened to George Floyd. It made me angry, and I would be willing to march with anyone to cry out against such an act and event. It was horrific and wrong, and the officers must be punished. The looters and criminals who have vandalized and saw Floyd's death as an opportunity to pursue criminal activity must also be put in jail and punished. 
America is in deep trouble. We're still in the middle of COVID-19 with the prospects of a fall resurgence. Unemployment is at its worst since the Great Depression. Businesses have closed for good, and many are just struggling to hang on. Economically, our nation is in serious trouble. The future of our older generation is at great risk, and the younger generation has not yet grasped the totality of what's really in store for them in the future. The economic plight of this nation has put the realization of the American dream at great risk for America's children. We desperately need a spiritual revival in America. There was a day when people believed in God, believed in strong morals, decency, and respect in being my brother's keeper. America needs to repent and return to God at every level, from our politicians to our police officers to the protesters and to every person in America. And yes, even our churches must repent. We must put this message into our daily living. Alexis de Tocqueville was a French political thinker and historian best known for his two volumes entitled Democracy in America, written in 1835 and in 1840. He wrote, quote, I sought for the greatness and the genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. In her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Don't be fooled. We will never make America great again unless we make America godly again. America, repent, or it's over for America. Joining me now is Bishop Bob Jackson. He is the senior pastor and founder of Axeville Gospel Church in the city of Oakland. And um, certainly, um, Bishop Bob, we appreciate you taking time to offer some wise counsel to, I suppose, in a sense, pour a little bit of uh, healing balm on all of us because America is at a, a critical crossroads. If we thought we were facing difficult times because of COVID-19, the events of the last couple of weeks now certainly bring into focus uh, the amount of pain that America is going through. And ironically, for African Americans, some of this pain has a history that goes back, as I said a few moments ago, literally centuries. Absolutely true, Craig. And uh, thank you so much for having me this evening. Uh, you, you, what you were saying in the opening was just right on point. And talking about trying to get America back to God, which is something that all of the churches need to be doing. You know, but before we can really do that, we need to get the churches back to God. I mean, because there's a there's just so much schism and division in the body of Christ. I mean, there's so many denominations all lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Savior, but can't get along here. We can't, I mean, there's so many different denominations. People get confused as to what church we need to go to. There's only one church. And there's only one head of the church, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians 5 and 23. And so when you really study the Word of God, you find out that the church is supposed to be one. And I think, Craig, that if the churches come together, 
I say churches, but it's actually church. If the church would come together, regardless of color, regardless of denominational persuasion, if we, the church, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, would come together, I think we could better work on the world. Because Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, still in America, is the most racist time in America. Because the white church, the black church, the brown church, the yellow church, the red church, all of the churches, we don't, wor- we don't worship together. We don't come together. You know, except there's a crisis, then we'll come together. But after the crisis goes over, then we go all go back to our separate little cubbyholes, our little silos, and, be, and continue doing what we do. So the world is not being impacted. The Lord Jesus gave us a command. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. We mostly preach the gospel in the church and to church people. And I think we've neglected the world and the Great Commission to do that. But what, Greg, would happen? If all of the church who named the name of the Lord Jesus would come together as one and begin to work on the world, getting the world saved, getting them to repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. The Bible says God is love. So without God, where's the love? And that's what we're witnessing with the protesters and with the riots and everything you see. I mean, the hatred is so strong that the, 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 the anger is so strong and, and I tell you, it, it's just chaos, it's, and it's ruining and killing and destroying the whole country. And we're being destroyed by hate, is what I believe. So I just think the Word of God is true. You know, uh, when you look at the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 6, I, I notice that it's not the first time that we've had such chaos like we do in America right now. But in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, the Word of God says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. I wonder what he's looking at right now. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, Noah in this case, is a type and shadow of the church to me. And the church right now ought to be finding grace in the sight of the Lord, and we ought to be equipped and armed uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to go out into this world, command peace in America, and command that all of America would turn from their wicked ways, come back to God and serve him, because without God, there won't be any love. And that's what we need right now in America. We need the love of God. Bishop Bob Jackson is with us today. We are talking about the events that continue to swirl around us since the tragic murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis um, just barely a week ago, and certainly the ripple effect of that. Um, Finally, I think uh, ultimately sort of the the straw, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. I think we've seen not just the pressure of three months of uh, quarantine regulations, tragic loss of life, 106,000 Americans dead, um, the, the... decimation of our economy, as I alluded to earlier, uh, but added to that frustration, 
frustration that many Americans are feeling because this is not the first time we have broached this topic. Um, George Floyd is not the first one to lose his life in this kind of scenario. You add to that list names like Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, Trevon Martin, Oscar Grant, and even going back to the early 1990s, Rodney King. And yet here we are, all these years later, all these tragic lost lives, and yet we continue to have the same debate over and over and over again. So the big question that remains is, what's going to change this time? And how can we be that agent of change? We'll explore that part of the equation as our conversation with Bishop Bob Jackson continues. I'm Craig Roberts. It's the Tuesday edition of Lifeline, back with more after an update on traffic. All right, at 517, let's get the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It's hard to believe that it was just a week ago, Memorial Day of 2020, when George Floyd became a statistic. An example, in many respects, of a continuing blind spot towards the racism that has plagued the United States since our founding, evidenced by the continuous use of police brutality against African Americans, and sadly the silence of many that ought to stand up and give voice for those that have no voice. With us today is Bishop Bob Jackson, senior founder and pastor of Axeville Gospel Church in Oakland. Um, there is a sense of a community across not just the Bay Area, not just Minneapolis, but across the entire nation that is hurting. And I find it interesting, Bishop Jackson, that some of the protests have even made their way off the shores of America in places like London, England, and in Australia and other parts of the world. Um, I, I think a sense of frustration, solidarity, um, and, and knowing this, that there is an issue here that repeatedly, seemingly, we just can't grapple with. We just can't come to terms with. And I'm, and I'm curious, you talked earlier about the importance of the church taking the lead in all of this. Certainly in the 1960s and late 1950s, at the height of the civil rights movement, and the tremendous strides that were made through things like the 1964 Civil Rights Act being signed, um, there was the church in the forefront. The church was not following. The church was leading the way. And yet this current circumstance, and one that we've seen over many, many years now, um, we, we seem to notably be absent. We seem to be followers but not leaders. Why do you think that is? Maybe because we, we, we want to continue the pandemic of racism. And that could be one of the reasons. Because, because the church is so divided. I mean, if we, if, like I said before, if we come together, the church as one, the way it's supposed to be, and the Lord Jesus, I think we could do a lot with what's going on in the world. But I don't think, I think we're following the world at this point. I don't think we're leading. I think we're following. That's why the governor could get up and say that the churches are not essential. You know what I'm saying? Well, he's changing his mind lately. But before, he was, you know, putting us in a non-essential category. And I was saying, oh, my God, the churches are non-essential? I, I can't believe it. I mean, we have a spiritual obligation to, to minister to the 
the spirit of people. And right now, the spirit of people is really down and low behind everything that you see. But you took us back on uh, some of the things that have happened with racism. But I can go back to Emmett Till. I remember seeing him in the casket, you know, after he had been so brutally killed by white men. And nothing really came of it. And uh, and they said he looked at a white woman, uh, whistled at a white woman, and they, and they beat him, I mean, to a pulp. And then they hung black people on the tree. They, they call it strange fruit. And there's so many lynchings that went on. I, I'm just saying, this, this, this racism has been here. It's just been under wraps. And every now and then it shows its ugly head. But it comes from the heart. And except the heart of a man is changed, you can't change it by legislating it. You can't change it by making a law. You can't change it by trying to use the police. You can see the police got the same problem the country has. So you can't change it like that. The only way you can change the heart of man is with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because once the Lord Jesus comes into your heart, he brings love into your heart. Because the Bible says God is love. And I'm sorry, Greg, I believe the Bible. I don't believe, I mean, if we could legislate this thing of racism and racial hatred in America, we would have been legislated. We would have taken care of it in the 60s when, when, when Martin Luther King, as you mentioned, was out marching. And, and with all of the marches he did with the water hoses and the dogs. I remember I was in the Air Force in 1968. I was over at 66. I was over and I saw all of the things. I felt so bad because I'm in the Air Force representing my country abroad, and my country is now against my people, killing my people. And then when they killed Martin Luther King, do you know a lot of the soldiers on the base that I was at in England began to laugh and cheer that he, the coon was dead? I couldn't believe the racism. We started such a race war, war on that base at and that was when I was unsaved, of course. But we, we the, the commander had to command us to our bases, I mean to our rooms, because we lost it. We couldn't believe 6,000 miles from home, and we're going to be called nigger, and we're going to be called, and they're going to laugh about the killing of Martin Luther King. The hatred in the hearts of men is so devastating. It will destroy America. And I believe the pandemic, pandemic uh, COVID-19 is just another pandemic. But the real pandemic, I believe, is racism. And it exists. It's alive. And I don't care if it's a Democrat or Republican. I don't care who it is. If the hearts are not right, Greg, we can't do it. And that's why I thank God that the Lord Jesus Christ comes into a man and a woman's heart to change that hard heart, takes out that stony heart and gives them a heart of flesh. So you can realize, just the grace of God, you got the color on your face. I didn't ask to be black. You didn't ask to be white. No one asked to be the color that they are. God made us, and he made us in his own image, in his own likeness. So when you hate me, you hate God, because he made us in his image. So if we can embrace that and know that we are God's children because of our Lord Jesus Christ and receiving him into our heart as Lord and Savior, that's what the Christian doctrine is supposed to be. And yet I have black people who will not come to Christianity because they said, look at what the Christians did to the black people in slavery. I mean, it was the Christian church that was keeping us in slavery. And so the, we don't want to be the, the uh, disciples of the slave masters that did our people so bad, and we're still feeling the effects of it right now. And you see it with the police. You see it with all kind of people. And I know that's not everybody. I'm not trying to lump everybody in it, but the hearts of men 
and women are hardened. I looked at Margaret Sanger. I was looking at her in Planned Parenthood, the hatred she had, calling black people weeds to the extent, and set up Planned Parenthood to really kill black babies. And 60 million babies through abortion have been killed, and yet there are people still hollering for more and more abortion. Abortion. They put them in the black community so they can kill black people. So racism is ugly, it's here, and we've tried to put sugar on it, but it stinks, Greg. It stinks. And we need more people standing up saying, I detest it. We need more Christians standing up, white Christians, black Christians, brown Christians, yellow Christians. In order to save this generation that's coming and to save America, we need to come together. As Second Chronicles 7.14 has said, turn from our wicked ways. He's talking to the church. Turn from our wicked ways. Seek the face of God and pray. Ask for repentance. And God said he'd hear from heaven and he'll heal our land. I believe God is waiting on us. He's waiting on the church. You know, I watched that video, as so many of us have, multiple times now since last Monday. And the point at which that poor man repeatedly kept saying he wasn't breathing, couldn't breathe, and then toward the very end was calling out his mother. And I saw that, and it's it's such a horrifying scene. And I thought to myself, this seems to be deeper than even traditional racism. It's almost as if there's a fundamental disconnect from humanity there. Um, because if you hate a black man as a white man, you're also saying that you hate God because we're all created in God's very image. And I thought to myself, this is really demonstrative of such a deep-rooted level of the effects of sin and unrepentance. Because to do something like that, to not an individual of color or another color, but to do it to a fellow human being with no compunction, no hesitation whatsoever, it, it, it would seem to me that this, we, we, we talk about a sense sometimes, Bishop Jackson, of, of evil being unleashed amongst us. And you look at something like that, and it certainly says to me that, that this is, as you've pointed out, so much deeper, so much more insidious than just a notion. If it was simple as pass the law, get some regulations, modify the Constitution, and we'll be able to outlaw racism, as you say, we would have done that successfully years ago. But we have not because we cannot, because at the core, this is really a heart issue, isn't it? It, it is really a, a sin and separation from God issue, because to watch the way that officer kneeled on that poor man's neck until the very life had drained out of him. And as bystanders kept pleading with him to back off, and, of course, to, to no effect, and three other police officers just sitting there as witnesses to this tragic, horrific scene, and nobody to ever stop and say, wait, this is wrong, you're, 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 you're committing murder here, just says to me that there is a fundamental disconnect with our very humanity at certain levels. Wouldn't you agree? I certainly would agree. And, and Craig, like, while you were describing that scene, I tell you, I could just see that video that the news have been uh, played over and over, and I tell you, it was bringing tears to my eyes just to think of that poor man crying out, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and then crying out for his mother. My God, man, 
and the guy kept his knee on his neck, and you could just see him just, just like he's enjoying his knee on his neck as he just breathed his last breath. And those three officers were actually helping to hold him down so he couldn't move. They need to be tried with first-degree murder right along with him. And, and Pat Robertson said something on CBN uh, the other day. It really touched my heart. He said that officer that had his knee on his neck ought to be put in jail and put in a cell where all the black uh, uh, jail people are and put him in there with them. And that's what they need to do to him. I don't know wow. if that was godly or not, but I could surely see the shock on his face. When he had well, a, a punishment, strong strong words to be sure, and I, I'm I'm with you. I don't know that I would agree with that as as an approach, but certainly, the notion that the principal officer, along with the other three, all need to be brought up on charges, and the notion of just simply, well, we'll charge him with third degree murder. No, I don't think so. If there was anything that was intentional premeditated. I mean, even at the point at which you say, well, they go through thousands of hours of training and this is an experienced officer. This is not some kid fresh out of the academy who's been on the streets for two or three days. This is an experienced officer surrounded by experienced officers. And you have to think to yourself, at some point they either must have known what they were doing or are so disconnected from humanity that you have to wonder how you live with yourself, how you get up in the morning and look in the mirror, knowing that you're capable of things like this. And, you know, Bishop Jackson, down through history, we've learned repeatedly uh, the degree to which man's inhumanity to man knows no bounds. Certainly we have untold millions of people that have died in the history of, of the wars of the world. We saw it happening in in places like Buchenwald and Dachau and and um, Auschwitz in Germany and Poland during World War II and and sadly the spirit behind that and you and I've talked about this that sense of a spirit of murder that seems to hang like a cloud over this country you talked earlier about Margaret Sanger and and her promotion of the science of eugenics that was hailed by Hitler himself as being brilliant in the attempt to try and, and, and manipulate the so-called survival of the fittest, which in her definition uh, meant the extermination of African Americans. Um, and, and sadly, it really just demonstrates the, the degree to which the taint of sin um, on humankind is so broad, so deep, and, and that's where I have to concur with you. I don't see any way that we can legislate ourselves out of this. We can't, Greg, we can't. And preachers, as if you're really a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to get back to pre preaching against sin. We need to stand, I mean, united at this time with racism, with hatred. We need to stand against it. We're supposed to be representing love. And yet, as I said, without a change heart, without a man or a woman's heart being changed, there's no way that love real love is going to penetrate that person. And as you mentioned something else, Craig, and I thought about it, the Bible says that thief comes not but to steal and kill and destroy. Mm. And I really believe that the devils were using those men, those police officers, 
to kill to kill that brother in the street, George Floyd. They used, the demons used it, them to kill him when they were supposed to be protecting his life, when they're sworn to be protectors of the community. But demonic powers are so prevalent, so strong. And do you ever hear any preachers casting the devil out, Craig? And yet, in Mark 16, the Lord Jesus says, In my name you shall cast out devils. Where are the preachers with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be able to cast out devils? And if we could find those preachers and come together, we can cast out this demon of hate, this demon of racial hatred, this demon of murder and killing out of this country in the name of Jesus, and even out of the world if we could yoke up with the churches around the world. I just believe we have a lot of power that we're not able to utilize because we're not together ourselves. Paul said something in 1 Corinthians, Craig, if I can just share it again. I love Please. this in the 10th verse. He says, now I beseech you, brethren. This is Paul talking to the church. He said, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. He says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you said, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. And he asked a powerful question. He said, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? What a powerful question. Is Christ divided? Is he Methodist, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Catholic, Church of God, Church of Christ, Church of God in Christ? Is Christ divided? Was there another Christ who died on the cross for all of our sins? Was there a black Christ and a white Christ and a brown and a yellow and a red is Christ divided? I read in the Word of God there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father over us all. There's only one man that pays the price of sin in this world. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be preaching. The cross of Christ. The cross where Jesus died and bled for all of our sins. Not some kind of milk toast gospel where everybody's fine, but the fact that you need to repent from your sins and repent from your evil ways and ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you and ask him to come into your heart because without a heart trans transplant, I think the Lord Jesus takes out that stony hatred heart, hateful heart and puts you in a heart of flesh, a heart of love. Were you able to love your brother and your sister? Were you able to love people who don't look like you? Were you able to love? The Bible said, for God so loved the world. Thank God he didn't just love white people and brown people and yellow people. He said he loved the world and everybody in the world, regardless of what color you are. We need to stop that foolishness in the church. And we, use, we need to answer the question Paul raised in 1 Corinthians 1 and 13. Is Christ divided? Is he divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? 
Those are important questions, I think, and it's time. I think the signs are everywhere. You know what I believe, too? I believe God is trying to get the church ready for the rapture. Because before the tribulation comes, I believe we're going to be raptured out of here. But the Lord can't take the church out until we get together, until we come together. And if we can't come together in the name of Jesus, my God, man, how can we ever get together in this land, in this earth? It's so true. And I, you know... We went through the early stages of COVID-19. You and I talked on this very program at sort of the onset of all of this and, and speculated with regard to what message may lie behind this as we're reading stories of earthquakes in diverse places, rumors of wars here and there, locusts descending upon the southern portion of the continent of Africa, now a global plague that has claimed the lives of hundreds of thousands of individuals, and then added to this the emergence of this issue of racism in America that has just been below the boiling point for so many decades. And, you know, it's it's sort of that Jeremiah 17.9 moment, uh, being mindful, as we saw demonstrated on Monday last, the human heart is one of the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And, of course... God knows that, and he sent his very son to address that issue. We need a heart transplant, and it's only going to start when the church gets serious because at the end of the day, the church is the only one that has the answer. Sorry, but uh, the president's not going to pass a law. Congress is not going to come together and get a measure agreed upon. The president's not going to sign a bill that's going to change one iota of any of this until the heart changes. Bishop Bob Jackson is with us today. He is the founding pastor of Axeville Gospel Church in Oakland. We're talking about the tragedy that unfolded a week ago in Minneapolis and the springboard that it's providing to once again bring to our awareness of just how far from God we as a nation have gone and how urgent it is that we humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways and seek his face. It is certainly a seven, a chronicle, second Chronicles 714 moment and one which the church first and foremost needs to be responding to because judgment begins first and foremost in the house of the Lord. We take this brief time out back with more with Bishop Bob Jackson. Traffic now, the latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Historically, as we go over the list ad nauseum of those who have lost their lives in such a senseless fashion, it, it seems as if when it comes to police brutality against African Americans, there's oftentimes an effort to take the focal point off the victim um, by either making excuses for the police officers um, or a sense to try and imply that there's guilt on part of the victim. Uh, this is a case where, and I think many African Americans that have had run-ins with the cops down through the years will tell you, uh, the video tells the, t the story. The alleged crime here was passing a phony $20 bill, which we don't even know is true. 
And yet, if you look at the manner in which this went down, there has never been a sense that he was acting in a threatening fashion. No weapon was on him. And yet you see the blunt force used against this man until literally the life drained out of him. And I want you to speak specifically, Bishop Bob Jackson, if you would, uh, to the black experience in America, because so often, and sadly this is true, I, I think even within the church, that we sit on a Sunday morning in a pew next to others that don't look like us, and instead of seeing the beauty of the individual made in the image of God, um, they see something different. And so I, I want to be clear that this sense of the 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 degree to which racism uh, has permeated America since its founding um, is not only consistent to this day, but even persistent inside of the church itself. And I think oftentimes there's a there's a disconnect. We want to kind of come together and sing Kumbaya and have a wonderful time at service and then go home, never having walked a mile in my brother's shoes, never really having had a sense of just how different life is for so many in America. Speak to that, if you would. Help educate us, Bishop Jackson. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a sad commentary. I mean, we pride ourselves with being a great nation, the greatest nation on the face of the earth, but then when you look at the internal problems, uh, the, in, the internal problems that we have and the systemic racism that is so embedded in the system that you almost have to step out of the system to be able to see it. But it exists, and we black people, we've experienced it. We experience it all the time. We've been experiencing it. I used to go to churches, and I'd be invited to speak, and, and I would go there, and it would be a white church. I would be invited to speak, and I would be treated so bad until they found out I was a speaker. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. I mean, I, I want you to know that the church has the problem. The church has the problem. And I think before we can get the world straightened out, we have to get the church straightened out. And that's what I think God is dealing with at this time, that the church has to get straightened out. Being black, I mean, it's just, I had a police officer pull me over, and i never forget, and he looked at me, wanted to see my driver's license. I gave it to him. I hadn't done anything. I said, sir, what's the problem? He said, John, just checking with you. Uh, and then he... He looked at my driver's license, then he shined a light on my driver's license, and he saw that on my driver's license, it said, brown hair, hazel eyes. And he shined his light back in my eyes, and he said, your eyes are not hazel. You go back down to DMV and tell them to put brown on there. You got brown hair and brown eyes. I said, sir, my eyes have been hazel for a long time, <laughs> and, and I'm 21 years old now. And everything, doctor, everybody said they were hazel. And now you have said my eyes are brown because that's, what you perceive, black people have brown hair and brown eyes. And it's not my fault that some of your people got mixed up with mine, and that's why I look uh, like But the point I'm saying is we need to realize, man, when I did my Ancestry.com the other day, uh, the other week, and it came back, I'm 32.4% white and 62.2% black African. The point I'm saying is, it's so much white. You don't, we don't really have a natural black race anymore. We have black people, but they have all kind of different uh, genes in their body coming from all kind of people and a lot of white people because there was a lot of miscegenation going on during slavery with white and black women. So the point I'm getting at in saying this, that the hatred is just 
It has to do with just that. And the only one that I know can change the heart of a man. And the reason I know Craig is because he changed mine. But being black in America, I've gotten on airplanes, and the people have looked at me just like they could kill me. And I said, it's amazing. They don't even know who I am. And yet I'm a man of God. I'm a man of peace. And they're looking at me like they could scratch my eyes out. And if you're black, you understand that look. We get it all the time. It's alive and well. And it's a pandemic that's in America. And the only way that I be, believe we can snap it out is through the church, through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, Craig. I believe it. Can I pray, Craig? Can uh, I pray? Yes. Yes, please. I think we need to pray right now. I also want to announce, if it's okay with you, Craig, that we have a press conference coming up on Friday morning at 11 o'clock in front of City Hall. And we have the, uh, the NAACP, we have Peralta Colleges, we have the Black Women for Political Action, we have the 100 Black Men, we have civic and faith leaders of the Bay Area coming together at 11 o'clock in front of City Hall to talk about this issue some more in a peaceful way, and then to have prayer. And I'm inviting all of you that are listening, black, white, brown, yellow, red, come out and support our rally June 5th, this Friday, at 11 o'clock, in front of City Hall. Can you just pray with me? You that are upstairs, downstairs, in your bedroom, wherever you are right now, can you just close your eyes and bow your heads with me? I pray that this broadcast today has really touched your heart as it has mine and Craig, and we just agree now as touching you in the name of Jesus, that God would touch you by his Holy Spirit, and that he would impart into you the love of God, that from this day forward you begin to love one another the same way you love yourself. And in the name of Jesus, we pray for peace. We pray for the shalom, not only of our cities, but of our country, in the name of Jesus, of our world, in the name of Jesus. And we come against every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every demon of hatred. Devils, we command you to get away from the people of God. Get away from the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and get away from the people in our world. And Lord, we give you the praise and we give you the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. The church has um, has a reckoning, I think, here, Bishop Jackson, and um, a an awakening. I hope that will will follow. Uh, the reckoning is that we're going to be held accountable. Uh, am I brother's keeper? And I think we try to sort of skirt answering that question. But if we look at the the example laid down by Christ Himself, and the uh, the concept that the greatest thing that you can do for a brother is to give of your own life um, ought to maybe put into perspective where we are at today and the the terrible and serious responsibility that lies before all of us as people of faith. You know, the reaction to Floyd's death has been the same as I think, aside from the protests on the street, the, the reaction has been the same if past incidences of violence against people of color. Immediately there's a sense of um, uh, the notion of black and brown Christians, outrage, extremely vocal about what it means to try and live and survive in America as a minority individual. Um, But the reality that the rest of us have to be aware of is that black and brown people live every single day with a lot of this. It's not just the times when we are forced to clearly 
see a murder or a lynching, essentially, as we did on Monday, that this happens all the time. You know, according to some recent data from 2019, most complete year obviously available since we're in 2020, um, 1,099, almost 1,100 people in America died at the hands of the police. And of those, black individuals were 24% of those killed, despite being only 13% of the population. There is a disparity here. And um, I think it's a reckoning, as I said before, Bishop Jackson, that we need to come to terms with, um, that we all need to stand up, we need to give voice, and it shouldn't just be those that are directly impacted. It needs to be all of us. Everybody who has a sense of what righteousness is, everyone who has a sense of of their own identity and who they are in Jesus Christ. And I would I would suggest that for the person who claims to be a Christian and yet has no love for his brother, um, that I think it's quite clear that the truth of God does not, nor the Spirit of God, reside in you. I guess this comes down to the, the big question, and let's get to it maybe after the break. Can you stay with us for a couple of minutes? I can stay with you as long as I like. I mean, as long as Perfect. you like. Because I sure <laughs> like I appreciate that, Bishop Jackson. Uh, we, we, we need to grapple with this. And, you know, I, I myself will admit that we tend to address the issue when it presents itself, and then when it kind of disappears and kind of goes back into the, the fabric of society quietly and, and sort of fades from memory and view, we go back to life as normal until the next event happens. And it's true of... Mass shootings, school shootings, and certainly these elements of extreme racism. At some point, we have to make up our mind whether or not we're content with this. Answer the question for ourselves whether or not God is content with this. And then once we determine the answer to that question, ask ourselves, are we going to do something? And I apologize if you feel as if we're just sort of dumping everything here on the body. Uh, but we're the only ones with the answer. Because as Bishop Jackson indicated earlier, this is not an issue that we are going to legislate away. I don't care what bill or measure they creatively come back, come up with in Congress and with what gusto and flamboyance the president signs such a bill, it will change nothing because the core issue here is a heart issue. And if we're going to speak about changing hearts and changing lives, that's only going to happen when someone has an encounter that changes their entire perspective on how they see themselves and see others. If you look through eyes with hatred, you're going to behave in a hateful fashion. If you look with eyes of love because you recognize that you yourself were eligible for punishment, eternal damnation for the sin that separates us from God and yet through Christ's work on the cross you have been redeemed and saved and the price has been paid on your behalf and I believe we have an absolute obligation to share the good news of that pearl of great price represented in that lamb without fault, 
blame or blemish, who was sacrificed on our behalf so that we ought to escape the punishment we deserve. He took it upon himself. That message needs to be communicated to every man and woman and boy and girl in America today, and we better get about the business of doing that before it's too late. We'll take a time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation. Bishop Bob Jackson is with us on this Tuesday. He is the senior and founding pastor of Axeville Gospel Church in the city of Oakland. We take this time out. Back with more on KFAX. Get a look at traffic for you right now. 6.04 on the clock. Here's the latest.